Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of One Vision. Joining us today is Mike Dudders, founder and general partner of 6MV. And welcome to the show, Mike. Hey, thanks so much. Pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for joining us today. You are super well known in the digital asset space amongst everything else. Um, I would say one that needs no introduction. Um, but I was looking through some of the work that you were doing before and noticed that you've spent time with the likes of Google and PayPal, uh, as well as building out mobile commerce business. That was quite interesting. Can you walk us through a little bit? about that part of the journey before you end up doing what you've been doing? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, like many people who have you know ended up working in crypto businesses, uh, the probably the genesis of the interest comes from having worked in uh, whether it be banking, you know, payments or the legacy financial system. And seeing you know the significant amount of inefficiency uh, that exists, so you know that could be anything from you know legacy code that was written decades, many, many, many decades ago, last century, um, that sits at the center of our both domestic and international you know banking and money movement systems, uh, to inefficiencies in terms of extremely high fees charged for things that are really simple basic services like international money movement like you know cashing a check like doing a wire transfer uh, which is a simple movement you know zero and one so the experience that i had was in the decade prior to entering crypto i primarily worked uh in fintech so worked at google wallet and uh, then Braintree Venmo and started a technology company in the mobile commerce space. And, you know, in each of those roles, um, you know, learned a tremendous amount, but each of them was, hey, how do we take this like legacy infrastructure um, that is extremely unworkable for modern commerce, particularly online commerce, and attempt to make it you know, somewhat serviceable so that like people can actually transact. And um, like Braintree is similar to Stripe, you know, is an example of like, how do we take the legacy payments uh, infrastructure that's made for like point of sale in-person payments, but that doesn't really work for online payments and simplify it down to where a developer can actually build a checkout page really quickly. And anyway, through working on stuff like that for, seven, eight years, uh, realized that most of it was just, you know, effectively like what they call like putting lipstick on a pig and really got tired of doing that as a full-time job and said, you know, and was fortunate enough to be introduced, um, you know, to Bitcoin in 2013 and to realize like, hey, there is potentially going to be an alternative long term to these like really inefficient technology systems, but also you know trust models uh, of how we implement you know commerce and financial transactions and whatnot. So anyway, um, the uh, you know we're we're still nowhere near having delivered on all that promise, but uh, you know that was working in fintech, seeing how much of the quote unquote you know, innovation was really just tiny um, 
very, very cosmetic uh, improvements on it, but, but not like base level, protocol level, like trust model level upending of, um, you know, how people interact with one another financially. Uh, but then seeing an alternative in Bitcoin and then eventually in Ethereum and, and other networks, you know, blockchains gave me, um, you know, made me very, very interested in, in moving over and working in the space. Uh, that's great, Mike. And for, for the audience's uh, benefit, uh, Mike and I, we, we met each other as, uh, at a pitching session. I was pitching to Mike for, for investments at, uh, uh, into Gulliver's just almost exactly uh, almost a year ago. Um, so it's, uh, it's been a fascinating journey and uh, within the Web3 space uh, over the last few years for me as well, Mike. So um, I, I understand where you're coming from. Um, uh, let's, let's move on a little bit uh, into your Web3 journey. Uh, you are both an investor via Sixman Ventures, and you also run a, a DAO, LinksDAO. So, can you share your uh, one uh, your thesis of around Sixman Ventures? What what are you doing there? What are your focus areas, um, and how are you looking at how are you yeah assessing future uh, prospective ten x hundred x opportunities? What are your thoughts there? And of course, what your future for LinksDAO? That would be great to talk about both both these uh, streams of work for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. So basically, and I think this is true, by the way, of many people who work in the crypto ecosystem, um, you know, there, it's very rare for somebody to only be doing one thing because there's just so much that needs to be done. And I think it's a much more fluid uh, ecosystem and what, like sort of way of doing business interacting that, you know, people uh, uh have more than one project that they do. So, you know, look, I love to be an entrepreneur and operator and I've started multiple companies. So to your question, I'll start actually in the reverse, like with links um, and I'm wearing my links shirt. I'll show it to you. I know we're not on video, but um, you know, so basically uh, I'm interested in, in the reason I'm operate here or the reason I invest and the reason I build is that I want to make, this technology accessible to you know billions of people, right? And the way to do that is to take things that people already do and then you know and introduce a better model of doing that thing. Um, and so one thing that I love to do is golf. It's just a really fun, relaxing experience when I'm playing well. But but it's a really fun like lifestyle thing that a lot of folks do. Um, and what's interesting about golf is it's gone from you know being played just on these like really large exclusive uh, you know plots of land to uh, you know there's things like here in New York City we have urban you know simulators where you can kind of go swing the club and you know advances in technology have made it so it's a sport and a game that can reach many more people at a much more attractive price point um, but people haven't been aware of it. And one way that you can make people aware of something that formerly formerly seemed exclusive is to create a new community. And the beauty of blockchains is that anybody, can, so if you create something, like you create a brand, it's accessible to anybody. Like I can put a product out there and like literally nobody can stop. Like if I'm like an e-commerce person trying to like, I'm like Amazon, like I need a license to like go do, you know, and like ship something to you know, Kenya, right? But if like I start links 
like LinksDAO and it's a business and somebody wants to buy a membership pass and they're like in any place in the world and they just have a wallet, they can purchase the NFT and they're immediately a part of this like membership club. Now, they may not be able to enjoy every perk, but they can enjoy the interaction with the rest of the community. They can start to create their own sort of geographically specific golf communities. And just all this wonderful stuff starts to happen that wouldn't happen if you were uh, a centralized, completely monolithic uh, organization. Okay. So anyway, what we've done with Lynx is like it's a global golf club, right? And anybody can be a part of it who can you know, purchase an NFT. And we're actually going to be releasing NFTs at lower price points that give people the ability to buy into you know, a certain subset of the perks. Um, but it's as much about the sort of core specific product offering as, as it is about the people that you meet and then the actual things that those people form. And anyway, blockchains, um, because anybody can access it and we can join, then they can identify with that tribe. Because again, they feel better about identifying with like a club or a tribe or a community than they do about, there's very few corporations that have created like tribes, you know, like Nike, maybe a little bit, but like, like true, like there's just not that many. And I think you're starting to see an emergent phenomenon where um, it does happen. And you, you know, you mentioned DAOs and like, you know, a decentralized autonomous organization where like the entirety of the group, you know, effectively votes and determines the forward path and, and mission of what happens. We're not quite there, by the way, with links, like it's, it's an evolution to get there. But what's exciting is bringing all these people together, not doing it in a you know, monolithic, like top down, like here's the product corporate type manner, and then kind of seeing what happens. So, so having a lot of fun with that, by the way, building, that and getting people to understand like the power of like just you know that community and that access and being able to engage with like folks with a shared common interest globally um then helps inform my investing and like a mental model of how it might work in other areas whether it be gaming you know whether it be um Again, just money movement and financial transactions. Like you name the application, just pure social applications. So it's been helpful. And our thesis with um, the the funds, Six Man Ventures, Six MV, is that uh, as I said earlier, you know the the way of historically forming organizations, whether they be government organizations, whether they be corporations. Um, or you know other types of organizations has always been like these again people based trust models backed by you know some form of security with governments you know it would be quote unquote violence or the military like with corporations it's law and you know like legality and and you know money and things of that nature um, with you know the with with blockchains it's you know one of the really really exciting things is. You basically have a network. You can uh, it's it, it's it should be in an ideal state permissionless to join, um, and then you know, we believe deeply in tokens. Um, so a corporation, for example, is run by equity, which is not an you know it's not a multi-purpose or extremely diverse you know form of consideration or, or value exchange. Um, but a token can be right like a token can be used for coordination it can be used for incentivization um it can be used for uh you know 
payment for work. So anyway, point is like tokens are really novel and exciting ways to sort of like orchestrate uh, things being done. Um, and so we're really excited that, and then not only the token themselves, but then like the sort of consensus model um, by which, you know, people make decisions on these networks, secure these networks, and then ultimately provide output of these networks. It's just different than traditional, uh, you know, corporations, traditional like governments. So what excites us is not like, hey, we're going to go like overthrow the government with Bitcoin, but more like, hey, we're going to give people an alternative who, for whatever reason, are censored from doing what they want to do within the confines of existing trusted and permissioned institutions. Um, or we're going to be able to operate and, you know, do things in a, in a more lean and novel and fast moving way, you know, because of these novel structures and incentive mechanisms. Hey, we may be able to bootstrap new business models, that kind of stuff. So we're exploring. I mean, it's, you know, it's trite to say, but it's truly really early. So like we're in the very earliest stages of like a really grand um, experiment. Absolutely. And speaking about tokenization, I think there's been a bunch of experiments, particularly in the last cycle, um, where uh, and, and and probably the, the, the names that come to mind is, for instance, Axie Infinity and Stepin, for instance, they, they basically try to use pure token play uh, to kind of scale a business. And, and that kind of has, that's so far hasn't worked really well. Um, so one of the things I've, I've always felt is, Web3 provides us a lot of uh, infrastructure bells and whistles around building a business, but the, 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 the fundamental concepts of building a business is still what Web2 has, and we probably need to draw a lot of inspiration from that as well, which means there is no replacement to a sound business model. So what are your thoughts and takeaways from some of these, um, some of these uh, firms um, that, 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 that's been experimenting with these models purely based on tokenization in the last cycle. Yeah, can you, I just wanna make sure I understand the question really clearly. Can you just, I wanna make sure I restate that. So, um, so for instance, with Stepend, right? Um, the business model was basically providing tokens for people who walk around, right? I mean, that, that should have ideally been a big part of capital. Uh, funded by a business model, a revenue engine somewhere, uh, which actually equals to the amount of capital that's going away to reward the people who are walking. So that that equation should have been worked out early on in oh, the yeah. business model. Yeah, I mean, it's so really that, hard to remove like speculation from these systems. So you almost have to create, sure. it's like, how do you, is particularly the dual token economy, it's really, really challenging to figure out how do you, create something that caters both to the earnest users and the folks who actually want to, you know, participate in the product and, and love it and frankly would use it if, you know, very little to no money was at stake from, you know, people who are speculating and using it and then even more so from people who are actually purely speculating. And look, candidly, I don't think this has been solved. Um, and so, you know, I don't, I don't know, like we're still, at 6MB, we were investors in Stepin and still are and are big supporters of them and they continue to introduce new products. Um, and I think you know, the grand question, yeah, is how on public permissionless networks where 
you know, these tokens are traded freely, do you uh, ensure <clears throat> that you have an ecosystem that's like where volatility perhaps is reduced to a point where, you know, people can sort of enjoy the game separate from the massive speculative nature that many of these early economies have had. And, you know, I don't know if that means like pricing things, you know, closer to dollars, you know, meaning, you know, mix of the, you know, layer one token mixed with some other token. Like it's, it's really hard to say. Um, but I can promise you that there's going to be an incredible amount of experimentation because, uh, you know, if there's anything we've learned from this past application layer cycle, it's that it's been really, really hard to sustain, um, you know, token-based economies with uh, across everything, not just, you know, uh, consumer-based applications, but things like DeFi and you name it, right? Even the layer ones themselves. So let's take what you said a little bit earlier, one step further, because you, you you touched upon something that is near and dear to me. You talked about tribes, you talked about community, you talked about extending what we have to a wider group of people. Now, before you also said, you know, Web3 and crypto, it potentially offers a model for us to do more of that, um, you know, to, to have people to, to have ownership. Um, in whatever tomorrow is going to bring. Uh, lots of people talk about Web3 being tomorrow's internet. I, I want to hear from you. I'm curious, what are your views on the current Web3 ecosystem at the moment? Um, how do we actually get to the point where we can include more people globally, not, not just on a community level? And to create this part of, of the new ecosystem, I think lots of people will say we're not quite there yet. So what are some of the fundamental building blocks that we'll need to be in place for us to get to where we can be to this utopia future. Yeah, utopian future. So, um, you know, a number of things like one, like one is, um, we, so the first, the biggest is like, you need to actually remove what we didn't do in this you know, past cycle clearly is remove the trusted parties. Um, from the bulk of the economic activity, right? Like the whole point is, you know, Bitcoin is decentralized, like Ethereum is decentralized. The problem is the way you had a ton of, you know, call it C, the CFI, centralized finance intermediaries who inserted themselves in between, you know, the assets that support these networks, meaning your BTC and ETH, and the consumers and even institutions who wanted to access them right and you know folk again like some bad actors right like ftx and then some who probably were more earnest but were incompetent like blockfi um and then you know you basically had then the institution many of the institutional folks you know took on far too much risk and see so a tremendous lack of risk management but the hope the point is like you just had humans go in to these networks and destroy tremendous amounts of value um, through extremely poor risk management, fraud, leverage, you name it. Um, and I think that it therefore, well, one, it, it sort of juiced up people's expectations because 
at a certain point in the bull market before people realized what was going on, they were like, oh, look at all this organic growth. This is incredible. And the market actually seemed more mature than it is, uh, one. And then two, once it actually blew up, um, you just have a complete loss of trust from people who are paying e even lots of attention, but but certainly from anybody who's paying sort of like somewhat or little attention, they're just like, oh, wow, like crypto blew up. Like, um, I always knew it would, you know, that kind of thing. So and so it's difficult. So um, one, remove trusted parties to you know, regain the uh, well, two is just like credit. Yeah. Once you've removed them, like actually like build stuff that delivers on the promise of the technology that we're building on. Like, why is a blockchain necessary, right? And so, um, you know, we haven't done that in enough cases. Now, at this, like, one thing I will say is like, people are impatient and unrealistic about timeframes. Um, like, if you look at like how long it takes, for example, Walgreens to like change of like point of sale machine, like it'll be like 15 years from when like they like, you know, issue the RFP to like when, you know, a better example, look at the New York subway, like London had tap to pay in like 2000. And like, we just got it in like 2021 in New York city. It was like a 20 year process. So like, that's just like tap to pay. Like, I feel like it's understandable that like, we haven't actually perfected these networks um, that were only introduced. Certainly smart contract blockchains were only introduced in you know, 2016 with Ethereum in 2015, I guess. But um, it hadn't been very long. I, I had to chuckle when you talked about that because I remember when I moved to the DC area, this was back in late 90s, they were talking about building out the metro from downtown DC to Dulles Airport, which is the largest international airport around here. It took them 20 something years and it just opened last month. So it does take a while. Everything takes a long time, be it physical infrastructure or payment rails, if you will. Um, we are in what people say, crypto winter. I hate that word, but it is what it is. Um, what advice would you give to someone who's starting out and trying to build through the current climate? Um, entrepreneurs who you know still believe and, and there's still work to be done. There's no better time to build than now. What is the one thing you would advise them to do? Yeah, I would say like, hey, you're, you're, um, you're, you're a smart cookie. I think you're going to be um, that very important and unusual thing, which is contrarian and right. Uh, you know, believe in your own conviction. Think from, you know, as they say, the most, one of the most overused phrases in the world, but first principles, like, again, why are we building, you know, on permissionless networks? Does your product need to be built on that or enable other things to be built on it? And if so, well, Godspeed, you know, go build it. And you're probably, uh, you know, going to reap rewards in terms of creating something that's extremely valuable, uh, you know, for mankind, society, uh, in addition to, you know, hopefully financial rewards. But I think it's like one of the best and, and most, uh, you know, blue sky slash greenfield spaces out there. The FTX episode that that kind of 
find out over the last few weeks. Um, do you believe it is because we mixed up trustless and trust uh, kind of ways of uh, interacting within the ecosystem, or was it purely because there was a lack of governance uh, from a regulatory standpoint, guidance? Yeah, so standpoint? I think like a lot of what FTX created is stuff that should exist in um, in healthy financial markets, including crypto markets. Like you need you know places to you know trade derivatives to hedge to um do you know all the other you know trade options things like that so the the premise uh, you know spot trading on you know a significant number of assets that for whatever reason you know you can't trade in the US like that needs to exist um and there are decentralized exchanges that can do that but there's a whole host of reasons why that might not work for certain people. Um, and then you know, one big thing is just like you need centralized exchanges for fiat on off ramps, like for people to enter and exit the crypto economy, certainly today where you can't just live your whole life within the crypto economy. So you know, centralized exchanges need to exist. Um, certainly uh, there was too much trust placed in, you know, uh, one person in this case, or one group of people, but certainly, you know, Sam Bankman Freed. I'm certainly somebody who, like, I didn't know him personally deeply. Um, but, uh, you know, what I would say is, like, I had, I would have no clue that he was a fraud, right? Like, I only heard good things from people who knew him better and, you know, did business and co invested in deals with. Um, you know, FTX Ventures. And so I, I wouldn't have known otherwise. Um, and, you know, I think I probably even recommended FTX to people. It's just, it was like very difficult if you weren't super close. So to your second question of like, was it a governance issue? Like, clearly, like, how the fuck did that happen? I have no clue. Like, what on earth was going on with the people who invested into that entity? Right. Like my fund, we took money from FTX Ventures, a small amount, a half million dollars as an LP. But like as diligence for that, like, OK, FTX Ventures, we co-invest with them. Like I, I know of FTX as like an exchange that tons of people do business with. The best investors in the world invested in it. Like to me, like there was literally no red flags with making them a small LP in my fund. Um, I'm not saying I'm blameless. Again, like I, I told people to go like use FTX and I recommended people raise money from them. I, 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 but like the failure points as you rise further and further you know, up the closest level to them, it's like, I don't know how you could invest tens of millions and in some cases I think hundred million plus into that company and not have any clue that there was, you know, fraud and, and double dealing and that kind of stuff. It's, it's, completely mystifying to me and i'm sure we'll learn a lot more in the coming you know months and years about what went down there and actually who knew what like a lot of people who are quiet and playing dumb and i don't you know think we've heard the full story well if there is one single thing that was constant in the space is there's never a dull moment that's what it seems like um so but thank you so much for your time mike and for the rest of our audience thank you so much for joining us for another episode of one vision we'll talk to you all next week